0: Hey, have you heard about our all new free PDF that you can download? It's called Five Ways Unresolved Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationship. And if you're a couple that has done the date nights and attended the relationship retreats and learned the communication skills, read the latest books on marriage, but you still find yourself stuck in a loop of pain and frustration, then this PDF is for you. If one moment everything is fine and the next moment everything feels crazy and that is familiar, I encourage you to go to restoringthesoul.com, scroll down, fill in your email, and get the free copy of our all-new PDF, Five Ways Unresolved Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationship. You're going to find it very helpful. Most people feel like they read this and they wonder if we've been reading their mail. They say, this is us. It's going to be of help. Check it out now at restoringthesoul.com.
1: welcome to Restoring the Soul, a podcast dedicated to helping you close the gap between what you believe and what you actually experience. I'm your producer, Brian Beatty. Thank you for listening. On this episode of Restoring the Soul, Michael welcomes back our good friend, Ian Morgan Cron, to discuss his latest book, The Story of You, An Enneagram Journey to Becoming Your True Self. In today's conversation, Ian reveals how each of us inhabits a broken story that runs counter to the larger story of divine grace and who we're created to be. He and Michael look at the book that maps out a guide for using Enneagram wisdom to reauthor your life and experience deep inner transformation, healing, and happiness. Not only is Ian a master teacher of the Enneagram, but he's also an accomplished author an Episcopal priest, and a trained psychotherapist. He and his wife, Anne, live in Nashville, Tennessee. So without any further delay, here's your host,
0: Michael John Cusick. Here we are again on the Restoring the Soul podcast with my dear friend, Ian Morgan Cron. Welcome back to our conversations.
2: Mike, dear friend, it's always good to be on the line with someone who knows me as well as you do and vice versa.
0: And how cool to be talking about your brand new book, The Story of You, in Enneagram Journey to Becoming Your True Self. And uh, you took the Enneagram to a whole new level and a whole new opportunity for folks. So congratulations on that and job well done. Thank you, brother. Appreciate
2: it. It means a lot.
0: This is probably an inauspicious way to begin an interview in terms of interviewing uh decorum, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a quote because you wrote a summary for people on page nineteen of the story view, and I thought that's it. I mean, I wish every book had a statement up front that was this clear. So indulge me for a minute. You're talking about choosing a new story, people discovering their story and rewriting it, and you say, listen. The sum of what I've learned as a psychotherapist, Episcopal priest, spiritual director, and as a person on my own journey of transformation boils down to one simple fact. All transformation begins with story transformation. You won't change if you don't break free from your old self-defining childhood story. This is the work we have to do, and the Enneagram can help us. I could say a closing prayer and pass the collection basket right now, but there's much, much more for us to learn about reauthoring our stories. So that's what I want to talk to you about, is the transformation work begins with the transformation of our story. So why did you write the book? What led to go from the road back to you to this? I
2: really felt like I wanted to take – a really a, a new approach to the Enneagram. There there are so many books out there now. After The Road Back to You, there's probably, I don't know, like 100 books have been published on the Enneagram, right? And uh, I felt like also going back to when I first started studying the Enneagram, I, as a therapist, I, I remember, and I may have shared this with you back then, I kept thinking to myself, sure, these are personality types, but there's something more here. There's something as valuable as as that uh, on the journey to transformation and then it occurred to me especially after studying narrative therapy a little bit that oh my gosh these aren't just personality types these are stories that nine kinds of people want you know tend to gravitate toward and adopt right um and some might argue, oh my gosh, are you kidding? There's billions of people on the planet. How can there only be nine stories that one of which a, a person adopts in childhood? Um, and I remember reading a book by Christopher Booker who, called The Seven Basic Plots. And in it, he's a renowned literary critic. He says, basically, there are only seven plots in all of literature or film. And I was like, wow, isn't that amazing? And is it possible that there are just nine archetypal stories, uh, one of which people move toward and inhabit in childhood as a way to cope and feel safe in the world, make sense of their experience and their trauma, etc. that if they don't jettison in adulthood, uh, that story will wreak havoc on their lives. And that's what I wanted to explore and, uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm really jazzed about the book and about people's response to it.
0: I'm jazzed about it, too, because in our work, uh, and I, I'm specifically a psychotherapist where I sit down f- with people mostly for fi- my full-time work, but you're trained as a psychotherapist, but you use the phrase in the book, this is a Rx, a prescription for deep change. It goes beyond just the description of your personality but the prescription, and I found that really helpful, and I think this is your most helpful book yet. Your other books are beautiful, a novel, a memoir. Uh, but this is so concrete that I believe, and I'm not just, you know, using hyperbole because you're my friend. I believe that a person that I'm working with for two weeks in depth could crack this book open and get significant help. Because the Enneagram description part of the story they're living in just gives you this immediate clarity. And then here's what I really want to unpack is you came up with an acronym to really practically and frankly, simply help people rewrite their stories. So, you know, you in your own journey start out the book where – A sponsor mentor says to you, do you ever get the sense that you're living in the wrong story? So for you, there was this awakening personally that then actually led to you becoming a therapist and a priest and kind of set your vocation in place. And I think that's a great example, as I could share in my life as well, that that our stories have been rewritten and are continuing to be rewritten. I think another big thing that struck me is you you really convey to people you can change. You can rewrite your story because I see people all the time going to counseling and getting a little bit of insight, but going, you know, I'm not, I'm not that different. I'm not where I want to be. So talk about how you've seen people stuck and through the Enneagram move forward. You actually do that with each of the different chapters with real life stories.
2: Well, one thing struck me in what you just said um and i don't think this is an overstatement but isn't therapy good therapy essentially uh, a person who comes uh to a mentor with uh some academic training uh silently asking the question can't i rewrite the story like this story that i'm living in doesn't work for me anymore Right. Uh, and so it's interesting. We did that weekend together uh, on which I served as a group therapist. And uh, man, that was a life changing weekend for me. But it was interesting with a group of people that I was assigned to and with whom I spent hours a day uh, in therapy. The moment I brought up the idea. And I asked them this question, is it possible you guys are living in the wrong story? You'd have thought I invented fire. Like they just looked at me like, what did you say? And I said, yeah. And do you think it's possible that you can exit that story in order to live in a new one? And then from that moment on, in every conversation we had, the word story and narrative kept coming up. It's They just kept using it. I wasn't using it. They were. It's like, man, this is my story. And boy, this is a broken story. And I need a new story. And I was so encouraged because the the vernacular of story immediately hooks people. Like they yeah. just intuitively get it. They just know it in, in their guts what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's that was really I- exciting for me uh, personally and, and affirming of the premise of of the whole book. So I, I do lay out this sort of four stage practical process um, through which people can begin the journey of rewriting their story. And it's an acronym, right, just for the sake of simplicity. It's SOAR, S-O-A-R. Uh, the first stage is seeing the story. The second is owning the story. Uh, A is awakening. And R is rewriting the story. And um, so I, I have done this process myself. I have walked other people through it. And uh, I am really impressed with, again, how the language of narrative and story just accelerates change in people. And, of course – You know, um, for example, uh, I can see how I, as a four on the Enneagram, that that is the story. The four story is the story that I lived in for years. As you know, that story uh, basically wreaked havoc on my life beginning in my late 20s. And uh, the journey toward rewriting it has been so life-giving and this realization that we have the freedom, we have the agency, and we have the power to rewrite our stories, which is amazing to people, because I think people tend to unconsciously believe, oh, no, no, I'm just stuck, right? This is, this is how it is. These are the cards that were dealt. There's no way out of this thing. I just got to do the best I can. And my whole thing is don't resign yourself to the old story. You don't have to. You can say, Uh, like (laughs) I led a group the other day and I said, you know, the two most important words you might need to ask yourself right now is who says, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just who says, who says you have to stay in that story? Who says you need to keep living by the dictates of those old messages? Who says that you, uh, have no choice, but to, to stay inside this, this self-defeating narrative. And they just go, you mean I have the power to look at my life and say, who says I'm like, dang, yeah, you sure do. And here's how you could do it.
0: Yeah, I love that. The the, the who says, is almost like we all have this inner authority, some voice from the past that says, here's how you have to live. And this is the only story that you can uh, work or live in. You know, you made the comparison to the Marie Kondo book about organizing your home and that famous phrase by now of spark joy. You know, if something doesn't spark joy in your, in your home, in your life, get rid of it, give it to goodwill, throw it out. And so often I catch myself and we've had conversations about this, like, where's the joy in my life right now? Okay. I'm pursuing a goal and at, at my late fifties, that's often very different. And I do it differently than I did when I was younger, but still find myself going not a lot of joy here. What's the narrative? What's the story that's drawing me right now? And uh, so I would say to people, whether you are uh, in your 20s or whether you're in your 60s or 70s or beyond, that this book has uh, the power to help you make the shifts and ultimately to find joy, right? Because that's what it's all about, not just changing behavior, but to be able to live out of joy. So let's talk a little bit more about the front end of your book, where you plug in this idea of SOAR, see, own, awaken, and rewrite into each of the Enneagram types. In this conversation, I'm going to assume that our listeners know the Enneagram, but what I'd like to do is just talk a little bit more about the book, the idea of what the passions and the virtues are, and then we're going to hit pause. We're going to have a second brief conversation, and I want to invite you to do a SOAR assessment on me, to kind of, knowing my story, say, what is it that you're seeing in your life right now that you want to write a new story? And we'll kind of model this for people. You have you have uh, time to do that? Would you be willing to have a second conversation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you describe the passions uh, as and the virtues. The virtue is that true self, the, the part of us that we want to honor and release. And the passion, you use the phrase, is the source of our suffering. And that was another aha moment for me because I'm a two and my passion is pride. My virtue is humility. But when I saw, oh, that's the source of my suffering, as opposed to, oh, this is something that's a little bit dysfunctional. You know, I'm not quite optimizing my life, but the source of my suffering, you've got to unpack that
2: so yeah each enneagram type has a passion uh based on the seven deadly sins and of course they, they added two more which i think they're brilliant you know typically we think of a passion as a an interest right something an interest that we have a lot of energy and excitement about right in the enneagram that is not the case your passion is the source of your suffering it's more like the word passion in the sense of a crime of passion, or when we think about the passion of Christ, right? It's it is it is about the suffering dimension of our life. So for the in the Enneagram, your passion is this powerful, motivating emotion, right? So for ones, it's anger, for twos, it's pride, for threes, it's deceit, for fours, it's envy, for fives, it's avarice, for six, it's fears, for seven. It's gluttony for eights, it's lust, and for nines, it's sloth, right? Now, the Enneagram also teaches that uh, when we confront and release our oftentimes, you know, arthritic grip on our passion by and move toward our virtue, which is kind of the antidote to the passion, right? So in your case, your passion is pride. You're a two, the helper. What does that mean? By the way, twos have the hardest time getting their brains around the fact that pride is their passion or their deadly sin, as we sometimes call it. Um, They have the hardest time seeing it, right? Uh, In part because they're prideful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Right? Right? They're too proud to see their own pride. And so what does it mean? Well, as a two on the Enneagram, you, your fundamental desire, I mean, a, I mean a powerful at the core of your person is a need to be liked. And the, your strategy then is to try and win the approval of others through meeting their needs, right? Now, where does the pride come in? Well, the two oftentimes unconsciously and, se- or, you know, kind of semi-consciously, believes that they actually know what you need more than you do. Uh, They believe that they have all the time, treasure, energy, and resources in the world to meet your needs. And I could sort of unpack it more, but do you see how those are prideful stances?
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. I don't don't have needs, uh, and then unconsciously I get my needs met by caring for your needs. You know, I've shared this before when you've been on our podcast, but uh, several times, and once you called me out on it, um, or rather you called me out on it once and it's happened several times since I've called you and going, Hey, how you doing? You know, like I'm, I'm really concerned about you or I want to check in about you and, and I'll be a good friend. And you're like, uh, this is one of those times you're calling where, you know, you want to be heard and seen and ask me about you. And I, I've lived my whole life that way. So the story mm-hmm. I'm writing is still coming into, into, uh, view.
2: And by the way, Michael, just on that, right. Um, that is what we would call strategic or calculated giving. In other words, there's a string attached to it. And and yep. that is that is a typical uh, feature in the life of a two, right? The helper. It's like this, you know, I'm going to ask for your help without actually coming out directly and ask for, asking yes. for it. Right. Yep. And uh, because God forbid I have needs. In fact, I kind of believe secretly that you have more needs than I do, that I'm less needy than you. But so to protect my pride, I can't come right out and ask for my own needs to get met. I have to do it in a kind of manipulative way, a back yep. you know, a backdoor way. Uh, and so, for that too, they they have to develop the the virtue of humility, which we can talk about if you like.
0: Yeah, let's do that in the second podcast when you do the sore process with me. Um, I always like to share current. So, uh, what was it about? Eight weeks ago, I called you up, and this was me rewriting my story. This was not necessarily a chapter, but it was a whole section of a chapter where, in my late 50s, uh, still living with bipolar disorder, and I called you up and I said, Man, I'm really struggling with depression. And I was just in a pit, and things were low. And the first thing you said was, Thank you for telling me. Thank you for sharing. And for me, Ten years ago, I would have called you up and I would have listened to you and asked, you know, interesting questions for 20 minutes. And then, you know, at that natural point where the conversation shifts, I go, you know, well, pray for me. You know, I'm kind of irritable lately and share 3%. And it felt so freeing and I felt so loved by you. Uh, and I don't know why I've not done that in the past except for. Somebody said, right, who says I have to live that way? And it's just so freeing and so joyful. And I've enjoyed our friendship more as I've started living in that way. So rewriting your story really is about deepening relationships, lightening our load, um, letting go of the burdens that we've carried and moving more and more into the fullness of who we are. Again, no hyperbole, but the story of you, your new book, An Enneagram Journey to Becoming Your True Self, is something that, that is going to help people move forward in their life into this new place. So thanks for this conversation, and listeners can pick this back up in Part 2.
1: So thank you for listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. We want you to know that Restoring the Soul is so much more than a podcast. What we're all about is helping couples and individuals get unstuck. You know how some people go to counseling or marriage therapy for months or even years and never really get anywhere? Our intensive programs help clients get unstuck in as little as two weeks. To learn more, visit RestoringTheSoul.com. That's RestoringTheSoul.com.